You are listening to a podcast produced by the Design Institute of Australia, supported by Fisher & Paykel. The DIA is the peak industry body for professional designers, representing Australian designers both here and internationally. We exist to help Australia's professional designers succeed in business and enjoy their working lives while collectively growing Australia's reputation as a design nation. Welcome to The Social Kitchen, conversations on food and design in a changing world. Trisha and Paykel has collaborated with the Design Institute of Australia on this podcast version to connect interesting and insightful Australian designers with designers globally to better understand the role and process of design in the changing world. My name is Gavin Campbell, President of the Design Institute of Australia, and today I'm joined by Ben Edwards, Sam Caradas, and Simone Stevens from Fisher & Paykel. Ben Edwards is a Melbourne-based designer and founder of Studio Edwards. Established in 2016, Studio Edwards brings together architecture, interiors, and conceptual design. Their projects are independent of scale, with creativity as its most valuable asset. Their work is characterised by innovation, materiality and restraint. Sam is an architect with Auckland-based Crossan Architects. Crossan Architects' commitment is to provide a superior service to their clients. They believe good design will produce sustainable, functional and dramatic spaces and buildings that have an enduring quality over time. They aim to create projects where the end result is not a preconceived idea, but a combination of the client's requirements and desires a response to the site and the budget. Simone has joined us previously on um, one of these podcasts. Um, Simone is the Chief Design for Architects and Designers at Fisher & Paykel. As part of that role over the last eight years, she has been building close relationships with top architects and designers from around the world who are creating immaculate kitchens that use Fisher & Paykel. Simone supports designers with bespoke detailing advice and has a broad view of global trends. So welcome everybody. Today's topic um, is how has your idea of retreat changed given the experience of the last few months? Um, maybe I'll just um, go over to you, Ben. Now you've recently completed a project that sort of um, relates directly to this, this topic. Would you like to comment on that? Yeah, well, actually a couple of projects, but yeah, the, the uh, base cabin, fairly fairly fresh um that started life uh, as a sort of a collaboration with a couple of guys who were interested in a startup idea of making something that could be um sold as a product if you like which was a sort of a, a cabin that could be transported to different sites um as well as also exploring the idea of maybe something that could even be used as creating additional space for people in existing tenancies who are looking to sort of extend their house or something if they had space in their garden. So that's where that kind of originated from. Uh, and yeah, we just, we sort of um, developed this thing called Base Cabin. And the idea was also that it was something that was, I guess, an affordable price bracket and speculates on the idea of, um, I guess, and, and hopefully captures the imagination of sort of this this idea of um, retreat or you know sort of um, getaway or kind of thing in its I suppose most minimal and smallest form. So it was, it was designed around being um, something that could go on a on a on a trailer. So it was under two and a half meters wide, and it was um, about eight, just under eight meters long. So those were kind of the constraints. Um, and so yeah, we built the first one. 
Um, and we sort of, yeah, it's, it's um, sat on a spot down in rural Victoria. And the idea is now to sort of see, see how that's gone and, and look at the idea of sort of um, for them to, to build some more and get some sales. Yeah. So this obviously was um, started before COVID, I would take it. So yeah. has, yeah. How's, how's the response? Has the response been different to what you would have expected due to what's happened recently? Yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't, I wasn't sure what to expect. I mean, I know that, I mean, pre-COVID, there's always been a bit of a, a romance around cabins, and you, you go into any of these sort of bookshops around, you know, design bookshops or even just, you know, um, readings and places like that. There's always like three or four books called, you know, cabin life or cabin porn or all these kind of things, and it seems to be a real sort of place in people's imagination for sort of that idea mentally of kind of retreat and escape. And I think now as, as, as a result of, the, of, of what's been happening and people kind of rethinking maybe how they're going to, how, how, how they want to live or um, the ideas of sort of distancing themselves, I think it's become even more attractive. And there's, there's, a, there's a lot of interest around um, the base cabin when we sort of, you know, finally took some photos of it and got it out there. And a lot of people interested in, that as a product but also i think maybe i, I would go as far as say that i think people are now looking at the idea of sort of rural life or the idea of living further away from people as being more attractive and so going on some of these like you know domain or whatever um this, yeah the, the people are looking at like these houses and places to live that are kind of within a couple of hours of melbourne but capturing that and I'm thinking about those as being more attractive to so almost the cabin thing yes but also I think the ideas of sort of going the opposite to urban so rural living as as being a, a space that could be quite interesting I don't know yeah right so Sam I'm, I'm obviously I mean you know we we kind of live in the country and that have you <laughs> have you um it'd be nice to but have you been exploring those ideas of retreat you know within existing homes or new homes um, the way people live? Well, I guess the um, the notion or, or, or some of the things that have evolved, uh, certainly from my perspective, but talking to other colleagues from being in, you know, the, the lockdown space, and I'm not sure how that went down uh, over in Oz, but, you know, we were, we were fully kind of like, you know, you're in your room, you're in your house. Um, in some instances, you were sharing that with, you know, flatmates or, or, or you know, a, a less than positive energy with others, perhaps, I don't know, but, but in, in its best, right, you were surrounded by people you love and you care about and positive energy in this singular kind of space. Um, and coming out of that is this sense of recognition of how things stay. I think how uh, the landscape and the sounds of the landscape became more present. And I sense just a general appreciation for, in our context in, in New Zealand, and within Auckland in particular, when you can go 45 minutes and you're at the most spectacular coastline, you know, how important it is to kind of cherish those places and, and spaces, right? And so um, I guess the 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 notion of the batch or the retreat for us has always been about celebrating that. 
but I think for a whole lot more people has become a lot more um, important or current in their thinking, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. In, in, in Melbourne, the idea of a retreat is also how um, public spaces have become almost places of, of sort of, um, or destinations of ways of retreating from, from being yeah. at home because yeah. we're in lockdown. <laughs> And, you know, you sort of reading these articles about, you know, the, the divorce rates are going to be twice as high as they've ever been and, you know, homeschooling yeah. and, and these things are putting a lot of pressure on sort of where people are, people's households. So actually it's almost, you know, you go to the parks around here and they're, they're, they're full of people, like kind of the denser, than, the denser than the cities now. So you're getting people just finding excuses to kind of go for a run or take their dog out for a walk and then to sort of loosely interact or feel that they're connecting as sort of a retreat away from their mm. retreat, which is their, their home. Cause I, I, I mean, just, just reading, I mean, I'm, I don't, you know, have kids or anything, but there's friends and fr friends you speak to and I've, and I've, you know, spoke to and sort of saying that, you know, it's, it's actually quite tricky, this idea of retreat at the moment, because it's putting a lot of pressure on on day to day life. And it's, it's sort of very inward looking. Um, and so another thing that's coming out of that is people thinking about sort of renovating or sort of adding to or, or changing their, their their houses to sort of accommodate some of those things or because they're spending so long in there looking at some of these walls, they're thinking, oh, you know, I need to add another, you know, a bathroom in here, or this could be a study or so that, so you're getting those sort of things which are coming out of it, which are quite interesting and, and fun and sort of, those sort of adding to existing situations or as a result of this sort of forced kind of enclosure in a way, there's some quite interesting developing, I think. Um, it's, yeah. it's really about balance, isn't it? And it's, um, you know, we were all very busy beforehand. And so this is sort of a forced slowdown in some ways. But, um, you know, that, that kind of the lockdown and the containment that you might have, especially when it's with others, almost makes you need to have little pockets where you can go and, and have a bit of self-reflection or space to yourself. And whether that's in a park or... Um, and how you might actually redesign your home so it's not as open plan as what mm. we've been leading towards. But the nostalgic or um, romanticism, which is a great word for cabins, sort of brings that. It's about sort of slightly removing yourself and having a counterbalance to busy work um, to go and spend some time, which might be with family and friends, but might also be, you know, reading a book by the fire and connecting with nature. It all sounds quite idyllic. And I think when we've been um, unable to do it, you almost want it more, but you kind of, there's, we've just had the school holidays here um, and it was amazing the number of New Zealanders all going to what are holiday destinations. I took um, my children down to Queenstown and um, the, the population um, that had just flooded in for that holiday period was uh, incredible. And it was very much as if there had been no downturn um, they, they say the numbers are down, but it um, just felt as busy as it was in the old days for that period, two weeks. <laughs> may not be sustaining. Yeah. Uh, so, Simone, do you think these are new skills we have to learn then? You know, like, um, you know, we're, we're having, you know, we're hearing lots of issues with people being in lockdown 
Um, do you think there, you know, and, and typically we tend to go away, which we can't do, or we tend to have other, go to the movies or the theatre and those sort of things we can't do. So the new, new skills we have to learn is to be able to retreat within our own environments to find those spaces that Ben was talking about maybe. I think so. I mean, I, I think you saw that over the period with um, people learning to bake and, you know, you had the whole sourdough and, and we had lots of aspects where people are actually, you know, they've got time, but they're, they're finding outlets and, um, and and things that give them satisfaction. And so some of it will be about how they remodel their homes and change that. And you are that quite fixated because suddenly you're spending a lot of time and we don't know when we'll get to travel like we used to. So um, that money might be repurposed and, and put into actually improving the life you live around it. Or it might be about um, rather than trips across to the other hemisphere, maybe you actually then put that money into building a cabin or a, um, a retreat that's, you know, a few hours from your home and you can regularly go and visit that. Or, um, I th- and I think part of, the, this was already happening beforehand, but I thought there was a real emphasis in really considered design around the retreats and the materials used and the low impact nature that they might have. And I think those qualities are still there, maybe even reinforced through it all, and that people want to do it well, you know, do it once or kind of have it pass on through the generations, but be purposeful to them, not just a a sort of box, um, from the box sort of solution. And I think that there's, um, you know, some great examples where people are building those experiences as, um, you know, accommodation that you can rent as well. And it's not just about where you stay, but they're building it into how to find, you know, the great spots in those communities and the artisans and the great food. And, and all of that is pretty fantastic. Do, do, do you notice um, that change, Sam, as well? And do you think it's something that um, are we going to fall into our old ways or consumers, clients are going to fall into the old ways or are we, are we able to help and guide? Can you see something positive coming out of this? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think the, the romance around uh, lockdown is, you know, being so closely connected to a small group of people in a really hyper-aware and sensitised state, right? And then if you go beyond that, I think an interesting question which touches on um, some stuff that Simone and Ben have said is is how does the design of the space that you're in, how does that contribute to uh, those interactions and the experience within that? And if, Gavin, we're talking about going back to the old ways, I mean, I just spent the weekend with my partner in this house, which was designed by a guy and this house is a series of hexagonal spaces that are all completely connected, but also all completely centred on what happens within those spaces, right? So uh, you arrive and there's an arrival moment. There's a kitchen with an island that people can stand around, but it's not immediately connected to the dining space. The dining space has its own little moment that connects up to the living and then across to the uh, kitchen and then down to another kind of level you know there's this interplay of space and there's this connection between them but it's in very much contrast to the contemporary fashion which is 
you know, let's do a six metre wide by 12 metre long rectangle, kitchen, dining, living, all open, glazed all either side, boom. Um, and in that scenario, I think, you know, there's only one way of being, but in the uh, Megsonian 70s example, there's a chance to escape and be yourself in your moment, in your space, but there's also this beautiful moment when you can all come and be connected in the living space around a beautiful fireplace, for example. I mean, so my hope would be that, you know, moving forward, as opposed to thinking about spaces just these very simple kind of principles, there might be an overlay around, hey, well, if we went into COVID, if we were in lockdown again, which I understand that Melbourne might still be entrenched, but, you know, if, if we're in there again, um, what sort of spaces would we like to have? What sort of spaces would serve the kind of relationships and interactions and just being that we'd want to have? And how do we design with that consciousness in mind? Yeah, yeah I mean, I, you're right. I mean, that's the challenge for us as designers is to look at, yeah, maybe different models and different ways that spaces can be, you know, reduced or, or be flexible to allow those things to happen. But I think the other thing, the other point, which, you know, I'm, I'm quite fortunate in that I do have a, a house to live in, but I think there's a lot of people who, you know, in these situations don't have the luxury of, thinking about how they can, you know, manipulate their house or have space to do things. And so they might be, you know, in social housing or rental situations or all those sorts of things. So there's a, there's a very real kind of, I think, challenge for us as designers to start to contribute to maybe ideas of how we can bring people together in public spaces and some of those spaces that we talked about that are no longer happening. So you know, the idea of going to the gallery or gallery spaces or, or public parks or those sort of things and how maybe, you know, there's, there's a real, could be really interesting to start to, to propose and explore some of those, those things so that, you know, people that aren't able to just, you know, change their, their living environment because they, you know, they don't have the money to or that it's just not feasible. It's that there are other places that maybe we could look to to, to create some of these ideas and to sort of give 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 people options of, of other places where they can, you know, inhabit or, or and, and I mean, ultimately, we all actually want to connect with each other. I mean, that's the main thing. Even though we're talking about retreat, the whole point, in a way, is to to be 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 connected and to feel that we're all kind of you know um, able to interact, but just maybe differently. So, I mean, I suppose I'm just yeah, I'm just throwing that in as a point because I'm some you know sometimes get um you know we get the consideration of how real it is and especially in melbourne at the moment you can you know really sense it and so where where i live there are some um really really dense you know apartment developments there are really dense social housing blocks there are you know lots of different typologies of living and and the, the way that they're so you know so dense and so close to each other you know they don't, you know, that as a, as a future of living, there's some, some questions around, around some of those things and, and, you know, what, what actually we need to propose moving forward so that these, some of these places don't, you know, don't become these sort of kind of, you know, places where there's some, you know, the COVID's manifesting and just 
you know, flourishing or spreading. Or so, I guess there's yeah, yeah, another angle it, of that as well. It raises a whole lot of social issues, really, and our priorities, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, I think um, it, it is very easy for us as designers to talk about, you know, the grand scheme of things, where it's, it's quite real for people on the streets or people who don't have a job. Um, so, and and I like, um, you know, your consideration that um, even though we we want to probably retreat and be more intimate. We, there is a need for us to connect socially, isn't there? You know, that's that's a very strong part of being part of a community. We can't just be continually designing to retreat. We have to also think about the grander scheme. Yeah, I well, certainly sort of. You want your you want your retreat to have internet and Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> but I think sometimes too, the point of a retreat is almost to refresh or recalibrate, and then you know go back. Um, so it, you know a person is more balanced. And I, I think being it's a really interesting, valid point. Not everyone's going to be able to afford that or get the opportunity. And so what are other ways that um, that can be provided to people because mental health and well-being is, um, you know, going to be greatly affected by this and, and really important. Yeah, well, that's it. I know, I, know I, was, I was reading some really interesting sort of things about um, in, in the UK, some of the National Gallery and the Tate and, and some of those sort of galleries are, are working with with, with designers in, in Europe to sort of start thinking about how they can reopen and how the, how the gallery space or some of these things will change but still be, still be able to kind of, you know, continue and, and what that experience is like for people visiting. It's really interesting and talking about, you know, the realities of having basically less stuff in the exhibitions or exhibitions running for longer amounts of time to allow everyone to see them and, you know, just thinking through all those sort of things. It's quite interesting and I think you know, those, that's sort of, it'd be good to, I, I mean, I don't know how, you know, but to start those, those conversations and ideas and try, I suppose, try to sort of, you know, add some positive and, and you know, some amazing designers and thinkers in Australia and New Zealand. And, you know, like we, we should be able to sort of start to also maybe contribute to some of those conversations or proposals, you know, I think it's, it's, uh, We've got this, I mean, here we're locked down for six, six weeks, so perfect time to start, you know, maybe, you know, proposing or to start, start some of those things, I think, would be really fun. Yeah, you were also just talking about um, having less, um, and I was, that's one of the things I think with a retreat and maybe through this experience, people are thinking about what, what do they really need and, and, you know, if you strip it away and, and get simple, there's still, um, you know, you still want performance and you still want comfort, but you don't need as much as what we've typically gathered. And I think, um, you know, the romanticism around retreats is often about, you know, back to basics. Um, you certainly get luxury within that, but, uh, you know, it, it's about the materials that are used, but also about the functionality that you might have there. And I think there's some really nice, great thoughts that, that have already been applied to places like that, but hopefully more emphasis as well going forwards. It's, yeah, it's sort of pairing back. It's the idea of ritual, retreat, you know, the, the very basic things that you do, you know, throughout the day progresses, the idea of connecting back to terrain, landscape, you know, those retreat is sort of that regressive type thing, isn't it? You know, sort of bathing, washing, you know, 
eating as ritual and, all this, and sort of and then that sort of contemplation space which is kind of interesting retreats retreats got um almost like a selfish sort of um tone to it as well hasn't it you know you you, you go on a retreat or you go in in our case in western australia we go down south and we stay at a retreat and resort it's a retreat you know and you get your massage and all that every day um there is an, an element of luxury to that i suppose the way i'm looking at it at the moment is i've, I've appreciated the last few months being able to retreat and i suppose look after myself in a sense look after my own well-being um maybe pursue certain things i might not have done i've got got more time like i'm, I'm not traveling to work as an example so i've got more time to do something um, and and in in some ways a bit like you were saying though Ben I mean I'm fairly privileged in that sense that I've got that ability to do that there are a lot of people who don't really have um, that extra bit of cash to go and buy a book or get something online or have the internet so and and we tend to um, so I'm rambling on a bit here but we tend to in in some ways um, I think society's been looking at that retreat that way to to look or entertain yourself it's usually it's part of a bigger picture. It's like going to the footy or it's going to a big exhibition or it's going to some event. And we've got to find ways to sort of pull back and retreat in, into ourselves a bit more and to appreciate that. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about that, but that's that's where I'm, I'm sort of coming from. I think that those are lessons I'm learning. And I'm just hoping that maybe as a community, we can pick up on those and start to push those a bit more, less of the extravagance, I suppose, and more of, of the well-being. Yeah, I mean, I very much felt isolation over here you know, for my partner and I very much felt like the opportunity to isolate from or retreat from the hustle to have to be somewhere from even having to think about you know the outfit for the next day um, or what time we were both going to connect for dinner that night uh, you know, the retreat was having the back lawn on a sunny afternoon when it was still sunny over here and just basking in the sun and spending half an hour reading a book, right? Um, and and that, you know, I mean, uh, from my perspective, moving forward was what I loved about being isolated, was the sense of retreating from the daily rigour and routine. Fisher and Paykel recently launched The Social Kitchen. This is an ongoing initiative to explore the connection between food preparation and kitchen design. By interacting with people who eat and cook and clean up every day, Fisher and Paykel are rethinking assumptions about kitchen design and creating appliances that will allow kitchens to be truly social. As kitchens evolve to be more like lounge spaces, the technology is becoming more embedded and Fisher and Paykel has worked to design appliances that integrate seamlessly, allowing flexibility and functionality. For more information, go to design.org.au or follow the link in our show notes. Yeah, yeah definitely. How do you feel about that, Simone? You know, it's it's hard to sort of, you're looking at intimate, you know, spaces in a house, but then we're also looking at spaces outside where we where we gather together. Um, we've certainly been talking a lot about that in Australia. Western Australia, we just had the footy on, for instance, this last weekend. We had 30,000 people or close to that. Um, you know, it, it, we're going from being forced to be intimate in some, some levels um, to these mass, you know, gatherings you know which are seen seen as a god-given right almost but that's also our entertainment industry you know that's the way we work um there seems to be to me a bit of a push and a pull there especially moving forward absolutely and um you know it's sort of quite interesting to reflect as we you know 
we transitioned out of lockdown into, which was quite a, a tight, rigid lockdown, into um, the ability to reconnect and to watch some of the um, people's behaviour that reverted, you know, directly back to how it was before and others with the hesitancy and those patterns kind of continuing. And so I think, you know, you get a, quite a mixture, but definitely there's things that as a society you crave and, and some of that's connection. There's, um, you know, I know um, sport is a really big Part. And when we had our first uh, live event in New Zealand, it was um, huge numbers that went there. People were very excited. Um, it, it's just it is almost refreshing for those fans to be able to see and engage and, and kind of enjoy that again. And the you know the empty stadiums, the events that were on to kind of um, get us through that time frame didn't really offer that, that same sort of emotional aspect to it. Um, so yeah, I think yeah, it's, it, was, um, it was it was interesting because just before just before we had this lockdown uh, and I reached peak banana bread making, um, they had the uh, we had the the cafes and the pubs reopened and like. It was it was the sort of anticipation of this event was quite big, and so friends, it was like we're going to go to the pub and have a beer, and um, we did, but it was different because there was still the distancing. So actually, the the reality was um, the tables were you know one and a half meters apart, or x amount, and you had to order food when you went in there. So actually, what was interesting was you know that that sort of nostalgic memory of going for a beer at the pub or or a meal. It was actually the reality of it was actually slightly different. And so the comments after, because there was only, you know, less of us there in a bigger space, was actually the atmosphere's gone. It's different. It's a different experience. And so harking back to my thing earlier about how, you know, designers, we can start to think about some of these things. It's actually, it's actually a different landscape. So the, the going to the pub or going for the meal is going to be very different. And the atmosphere and that idea of, being you know with friends but with other people is the greatest thing but it's sort of it's different and it did feel a bit spooky actually so sort of like you know so again thinking it'd be really good to rethink the you know some of these hospitality spaces or places where you know you go because you want to be there and other people are there you know how how, how can we design those or, or sort of add another layer of thinking um rather than just you know putting up screens or something like that to, to try and capture some of those, the atmosphere or that connection again, which is so good, isn't it? I mean, you know, that's nothing better than being in a cosy kind of environment, you know, whereas being in a, feeling like you're in an expansive one and you're sort of spaced apart and you can, you can see somebody, but there's, there's not that overhearing of the conversations or the nuances of, you know, kind of you know, sort of tactility. Yeah, I, th I think it was really... Anyway, that, and that was, it's, I think had, had four days and then, yeah, we've gone back to lockdown now, so that was it. It's strange, though, because it's a lot of, um, I think it's the business models have to change as well, you know, the way we think yeah. um, what makes, you know, what makes it, we've got to make businesses profitable in a different way with a different model. I mean, another, another sort of industry that's a good example of that is, say, like going to the cinema. If you go to the cinema, you, you know, you're just there with 20 other people. You might as well be watching it in your in your. Um, lounge room really because the reason yeah. you go to this you know they're trying to sell that experience is really what that's about and really you're just sitting in an empty cinema with a you know bowl of popcorn basically <laughs> you can get better better at home 
Was it? And sort of, you got sort of yeah, two empty seats, and then there's somebody else, and then two empty seats, or it's sort of strange. Yeah, if you're lucky. Yeah. yeah. It's so nice to be able to stretch out, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. No, well, maybe I mean, you know, maybe that's where um, aeroplane travel will sort of be a lot better and more comfortable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it might cost us more, but we'll, yeah. we'll feel better about it as well. Yeah, you know, it sort of brings up um, you know, quite a good um conversation around sometimes the way as designers how we've actually you know the actual end result is is that was that a good result anyway like airline travel you know like you know being crammed into seats i know we it was cheap seats at the end of the day but there were a lot of compromises being made um and we sort of tend to live with those um again you know even in the workplace there are a lot of compromises being made in in open plan and sort of trying to squeeze people in i think we've learned a lot from um covid with how um, remote workplaces can operate, and how we sort of relate to each other, and how we relate to other each other in a work environment. How how we need to come together as well is is, is important, you know. But but how much we can work separately. Um, mm-hmm. So I think the the business models in lots of industries are definitely going to change quite dramatically. Yeah, yeah I think it, and it's going to be good where um, you have the opportunity to make good choices or good life choices. So. Um, you know, there's a certain amount that'll be great, but there's also others that don't get options. So there's always an interplay in what, um, you know, design, but, you know, legislation, everything has to do to support, you know, those less fortunate. Um, But hopefully we've got a really good opportunity to model things, um, you know, business, life, um, workplaces, um, choices that we make um, for, for good and 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 the the recent examples in in Melbourne, Ben, around um, the high rise there, um, and having to lock down three thousand people, mm-hmm. you know, we in accommodation that is was never designed well anyway in the first place, just for normal everyday living in in pre-COVID times, and yet you know we're seeing you know real issues there now with yeah. um, you know let's call it a sense of retreat. They've been forced to retreat there, but how? Can they occupy themselves? How can they feel a sense of purpose or um, even center themselves, you know, mindfulness within within those sorts of spaces? They can't, you know. We, we have to really yeah. start thinking about social housing and communities as well. So that's it. On the one hand, houses retreat, but on the other way, if you look at it in a slightly more sinister, it's actually a prison. It's a mechanism of hmm. control and sort of confinement. And so, yeah, those, those I mean, those tower blocks should have been demolished a long time ago. Um, there's no, I don't think there's any disagreement on that, but it's sort of what, how do we start to think about designing, you know, higher density living in, in, you know, social housing that is, you know, isn't like that stuff. And, th- and those tower blocks is kind of, they've, they've all based on a very, very similar floor plan. They're just repeated in different suburbs across Melbourne. So you'll see that exact tower block rotated with another one, you know, exactly the same thing. They have two lifts long skinny corridors very little natural light you know and just really shitty places to live so i think um that that site there's a site on the end of napier street where there's there's two and then there's this huge public space at the ground level which is actually a private park for the residents of those towers you know it doesn't really get a lot of use um it would be a really i just think it'd be great to start to think about what you could put on that site that would accommodate those people in that on that plot in a different way and i think 
high rise is not the way to go. I don't. I, mean, I think it'll, it's the idea of you know those sort of medium density. The ideas of you know trying you know having your own sort of entry or outdoor spaces, all those sorts of things. And um, again, this is an opportunity to, 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 and we've been forced to really now engage with that. And actually, I think I mean I don't know if there's going to be a design competition, but I'm I'm sure that you know these things will will will, will hopefully be demolished and moving forward. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's a legacy of the past, isn't it? And it's certainly making us think about it. So hopefully we, we can grab hold of that when the time comes and actually do a lot better and maybe there's some incentive to actually move on from those because you know, yeah. obviously it's a, it's a cost exercise. They're there. You know, there's a whole pile of reasons why they're being used. But, um, and I think that's, that's the important part of what designers' roles are is to really be pointing the finger and to call out issues like this. Um, you know, as as you're saying, Ben. You know, you know, find new ways to actually evolve or work our way through this these sort of um, issues. Exactly, and I think just on the on the working from home and the the workplace issue, I think the other, again, driven by profit, driven by large large companies, is actually it's turned out pretty sweet for them. A lot of people working from home because all these office buildings in the CBD, the rentals on them are pretty high, right? So if you can have a workforce that no longer requires renting office space so i.e say telstra they're already ready to go with working from home and so for them this is actually the model that they're kind of looking at looking at using so it's really uh, again another interesting space is on the one hand the romance of working from home and you know you do what you want and that, that kind of thing is actually also there's a slight sinister edge to it in that it's quite convenient for uh, some some of these bigger corporations to not have to be you know Having their own buildings, they don't need to rent off the space. So, are you promoting a conspiracy theory here? Are you? <laughs> <laughs> well, just just saying, you know, in in Melbourne, you know, a lot of the the real estate is uh, some of these bigger companies, which you know, probably quite pricey. So, the work and uh, a friend of mine who who yeah works at um, Telstra said they were they were already set up for working from home before this. Um, so it kind of works quite well in terms of the technology they have in place, the way. It, software's been developed and you know all these sort of enabling things so it's you know it's, it's I mean, I mean, not necessarily bad but it's just interesting so then so then it's sort of then so what are we going to put in these empty buildings in the middle of the city now you know if, if yeah, everyone started spread spread out or we're starting to be sort of more disconnected physically you know what then what are the cities for what are we doing in there um because hospitality is changing Retail's changing, public spaces are changing. So, I mean, it's, yeah, kind of interesting. Well, I think in any city, it's, you know, I, I imagine in New Zealand you've got the same issues. You know, in your CBD areas, there's definitely going to be um, a reduction in the amount of space being taken up by larger corporate practices, um, whether they're closing or just looking at the opportunities for home-based work. Um, so I think, the, you know, th those are certain issues that we're going to have to resolve. I noticed that the hotel in, um, I think it's New York, I, I, I saw an article on football where they, they're turning their rooms into um, offices you can hire or rent out for the day, <laughs> $200 a day. So they're going the, the opposite way almost, you know. Yeah, mate. Do you, do you, have those, do, do you see any, any of these issues in, in New Zealand, Sam? Oh, I mean, there's certainly shitty buildings downtown that we should have knocked down years and years ago. Um, <laughs> The the um, I mean I think the the big thing is that 
what we're talking about is, you know, how important considered thoughtful design across the borders um, in, in every kind of way, right? And this design through this can only prevail or we as designers have to force it to prevail because everyone's going to have had a really intimate experience of really great design and really poor design. And, you know, as being you're talking about the, you know, those towers and, and the lack of amenity surrounding those towers. Um, I mean, it just makes you feel for the people, right? And how can we be more empathetic, more sensitive, and um, you know, a bit, you know, craft better, I guess, on a larger scale, to make sure that um, you know how this plays out or what the world looks like in relationship to work, um, socially, um, you know, experientially. You know, that it feels designed, that it feels cared, crafted, thoughtful, and it makes people who in those spaces feel good. I mean, it, it feels more important than ever before, right? Because people are having to address or live in poorly crafted spaces. Yeah, and I think, you know, what we're talking about is, is our social responsibility as designers to really be offering up um, solutions or call-out um, issues and to offer up solutions and um, be part of that process. Yeah, and I think yeah. that's a very, very important role for designers, you know, across, across the world, not just in Australia and New Zealand, but that's a role that um, we need to take up. That's, that is our job, basically. Yeah, well, the, you know, the, the people are at the centre of every project, right, whether it's a mm. family or, or, or groups of family. I mean, it's all about the people. But that's definitely good design, isn't it, Sam? Yeah. Design without the people considered isn't. No, it's unimaginable as a designer that you would approach it in a way. But I, I guess people do it on a spreadsheet, right? Sadly, yeah. Yep. Unfortunately, a lot of those buildings we're talking about are done on a spreadsheet. <laughs> I haven't been involved with a few of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, again, it's you know, you've you've got to understand the commercial realities and which I suppose comes back to one of my points the commercial realities are changing those buildings are going to be different they have to be different um, the workplaces will be different the way apartments or hotels are, are built or designed will probably change quite dramatically um, and we have to provide I suppose in the future for more of these um, situations or at least consider them um, yeah. but I think consider the, pos the, the positives not just the negatives on them yeah, and not only that. I mean, the the work from home thing, from what I can tell, works really well for some people, and not so well for others. I mean, in our in our collective society, there's just a spectrum of personalities and interests and vibes that you know, moving forward, we you know we have to be sensitive to as well, right? It can't be. A, but you know, Sam, it's um interesting because um working in open plan or in a workplace doesn't work for a lot of people as well, and I've exactly. I've come across that myself but I heard um, somebody on the radio who worked in um, sort of like some emergency, some emergency services area maybe St John Ambulance or something like that and they're talking about how they had staggered shifts she was working two or three days a week and there was only you know so many people in her office and she was loving it you know absolutely loving it because previously she'd been so anxious and uh, and you know really looking back on it I you know because I was involved quite heavily in workplace I think a lot of people didn't like it, you know, something that we always pushed and we had some very good reasoning behind it. Um, it wasn't just a commercial thing. It was about trying to create new practices. But um, the challenge is to 
is to move forward, understand that not everybody can work from home, not everybody can work in the office. We need to find ways to support both, I suppose. Um, be a little bit more sympathetic to, you know, the fact that we are all different. We're, we're living beings. We, we think and breathe differently to each other. We have some similarities, but we've got to find ways to accommodate ourselves, you know, each other um, and be more sympathetic to that. And I think that's going to be hard in the corporate world um, because, as Ben pointed out, you know, there is quite often more of a commercial reality to that, um, or it appears to be anyway. Yeah, totally. All right, guys. Well, um, thank you very much. I think it's a good time to wrap up. So thanks, Sam, Simone and Ben for joining us today. And, um, uh, you know, even though we started out looking at retreat, I think we've covered a few, a few issues here, a few more conversations. So I just encourage, you know, everybody to keep talking about it because this is, this is really what um, part of the design process and being designers about, I think. So thank, right. thanks very much for today's um, conversation. Well, thank, thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast made possible by the support of Fisher and Paykel. The Design Institute of Australia would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we are gathered and all First Nations people on the land now known as Australia. The DIA respectfully recognises elders past, present and emerging. We celebrate the innovation, creativity and ingenuity of the world's oldest continuing creative culture.